Okay, I think uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Thank you all for coming. Um, my brother Walter is going to have an opening prayer for us. Pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we have already experienced the words of life and of truth, for they are the words in Scripture, which we have studied and meditated upon. And within them, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, had said, pleasant words are sweet to the soul. Therefore, help us at this moment to understand the power of our speech and to take the example of Jesus Christ, who, through his words, granted healing, grace, and the beauty of life. We are thankful, Lord, for what we have in the gift of speech and pray that you would direct our thoughts and our words. In his name, amen. Thank you. Okay, the title of this forum is uh, The Power of Words. Um, years ago, I was reconnected with um, a godly woman that I really highly respected, and um, I would turn to her as a mentor, and she's become a really close mentor and friend of mine uh, to this day. And uh, when we had reconnected a number of years ago, I asked her, can you give me some advice as to um, what made the most impact in your life, in your spiritual walk, so that I can learn from it? And she said, well, I, um, I did this study calling Speaking Wisely. And I found that that influenced every area of my life. And um, even though I was middle-aged at the time that I did the study, it just made a world of difference. And it is so vitally important. And she encouraged me to get into the Word and to study what the Bible says about our words. And the book of Proverbs and the Bible is just filled with um, a wealth of wisdom. The other thing she asked me was, Lydia, ask yourself, do you want to be an energy giver or an energy taker? So I did take her advice, and I got in, and boy, I had so much to learn. And um, something had happened years ago where I'd actually hurt someone very badly through my words. It wasn't intentional. Someone had uh, shared something with me about a sister, and um, this sister was a friend of mine. And um, I thought, well, you know, maybe I can talk to her and uh, kind of, you know, change the situation. And it was completely wrong. I should have sent this person to talk to her by herself. And I waited about six months until the opportunity arose, and I did speak to the sister. But I hurt her really, really badly. And um, our relationship was really strained for a while. Even though my intentions were not to hurt her at all, it did. Um, because I had found out that other people were already talking about her behind her back with this. And so just me stating a few things and sharing that, you know, other people are maybe saying this, you might want to consider this, the time wasn't right. And so I hurt her, and I regretted that for years and years, actually over a decade. And we did have an opportunity to talk um, at one point, and our relationship is completely restored. I'm thankful for that. Um, when I was asked to do a forum in the fall, um, someone from the, the forum committee asked me if I would be willing to do it, and I said, sure, I would. And um, they asked me to give some topic selections of my choice, the areas that God had been uh, growing me in the last number of years. And there were several areas, and one was in this area of the power of words, because our ladies' fellowship group had just done a study on James and the different things that I'd learned over the years. So I, I submitted that one as well as a couple other uh, topic ideas. And the forum committee came back to me with this one. 
I am no expert. I have uh, lots to learn. I fail miserably often. So um, we're in this together. I'm not coming to you as an expert. Um, and I just pray that the Lord will uh, lead us all and guide us and change us in whatever area of speech that we need. According to the verse, death and life are in the power of words, words have the power to bring life and to bring death. Uh, you'll see that they can destroy someone's confidence and hope, and they can bring life through encouragement and provide strength. And I know that each of you um, have personally experienced this. Last year, I also experienced this. I was pretty crushed by some hurtful words um, that were expressed to me to the point where I just really wanted to give up and not do anything. It was a couple of months, about maybe three months of extreme hurt. I just... Um, it's pretty devastating. How many of you in here have ever been devastated by painful words, hurtful words? How many of you have ever hurt others with your words, whether intentional or unintentional? Mm -hmm. How many of you have ever been encouraged and you still remember those encouraging words? We all have. As Christians, the word tells us that we're supposed to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, our mind, and our strength, and we're to love, the neighbor, love our neighbors as ourselves. But do we really do this? If we did do this, we wouldn't be hurting others with our words. And do we realize how much we really grieve the very heart of God through the words that we speak to others? David prayed, let the, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. This was a plaque that my mom and dad actually had in their house. And when we moved, when I was about 12 years old, I asked if I could have this in my bedroom. And it was literally the first verse that I um, memorized on my own. And the reason was because I was born with the gift of gab. Um, my baby picture, literally, my mom, will t um, I was talking to her, my um, mouth was open, my first baby picture, and I'm going like this, as if I had something to say. And my mom said, yeah, Lydia, you were born with your mouth open, and it hasn't shut since, right? <laughs> and um, I went on my whole life, I had problems. Um, when I was about the spring of 1970, I just turned five, and I got to go to kindergarten uh, to visit school with my older brother. Um, I really respect him so much, and I asked him if I could share this story because I didn't want to dishonor him in any way. But he was the first older, uh, perfect son, uh, child. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, the, from the way I see it, I don't ever remember him getting into trouble. He was really good and obedient, and he was, so, he was quiet. And then I came along, and um, I just never shut up. And I, we, here we go. I get to be with my older brother because um, we're 18 months apart, but he was a year older than I was in the grades. So I got to go to kindergarten, Mrs. Mobley's class. And um, my mom gave me the lecture before we left and said, be good, you know, and this and this and this. And so I had a fabulous time. I uh, came home, and my mom said, you know, how, how was your day? And, of course, I had all kinds of wonderful things to say. And then she looked at Walter and said, you know, was she good? And he said, she got in trouble for talking. <laughs> yes, I did. And so that was the beginning of my mother breaking the heat for the seat paddle on my uh, behind. And um, most of the time in my life that I got in trouble, I would probably say 99% of the time was because of my talking. Um, a year later, 
I was now in kindergarten, almost ready to be promoted to grade one. Walter was in, in first grade, and um, my mom got a phone call from Mrs. Pavelchak, his teacher. My dad came home, and my mom said, Mrs. Pavelchak called. He talked. <laughs> and, and my dad said, yay! And I'm like, what is the problem? He was not going to be promoted to second grade unless he spoke out loud um, on his own. I thought, what is the problem? Um, well, this goes to show you that we all have different personalities. Okay, God created us all very, very differently and uniquely. Um, but once we became Christians, um, Walter actually, first of all, as a child, he didn't even like to um, sing on the sing on the steps, you know, from the blue book once a month, he would actually hide his face behind the blue book. And me, I mean, I volunteered for all the high parts, you know. I always picked what a friend we have in Jesus and all these other things so I could, you know, do all these, you know, really high parts. And, um, but when, when we both converted within a year of each other, God really helped to tone it down with my mouth. And um, God really used Walter that shortly after he was baptized, he's now directing singing and teaching Bible class and and now preaching, like, you know, it's um, with the power of the Holy Spirit, um, God can use us. Speech is not the problem, however. Um, in fact, it's our ability to speak that is one of our greatest virtues. And it's how we use our words that matter. Uh, wonderful things can come out of our speech. Uh, there's great value in our words, and it's God created. Um, communication actually means uh, to share, to reveal, to impart, to be connected with one another. Um, communion, which is a word that we know as Christians, also means to share. We have intimate fellowship, uh, oneness, harmony, companionship, especially close relationships with God and with other Christians in the church. Uh, next, um, we can see that communication is verbal, but it's typically um, nonverbal and verbal. So it's typically our verbal communication that gets us into trouble. When we use it appropriately, our words actually have power to heal, to bless, to refresh, to encourage, to counsel, instruct, correct, help teach, and energize or calm us down. On the other hand, our words can also confuse us, embarrass, condemn, hurt, destroy, anger us, weaken, and isolate us. Therefore, they must have power. Words also connect us to God. There was power and purpose in his speaking. Um, in Genesis, we read that God used words to create the world that we, ver that we live in. It's also how God came from the spiritual to the natural realm. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, there's power in the word. It connects us of our sin, leads us to salvation, um, gives us uh, strength to overcome sin and provides direction. And it's all actually also how we have intimacy with God. We confess him as our savior, we pray and we praise. God also created each and every one of us in his image. And he tells us that in uh, Isaiah 51, 16, that I have put my words in your mouth. Later in Isaiah 55, he tells us that um, his word goes forth out of his mouth, and it shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing thereunto I sent it. 
words also connect us to each other. We share our lives with one another. We can hardly wait to get to camp to see all those that we love and care about and uh, catch up. We also share our joys and our sorrows with one another. Uh, we're also instructed in the word that we're supposed to share our burdens with each other. Um, we're supposed to confess our faults one to another and pray for one another for healing. We're supposed to edify and encourage one another, and we also praise God together. Um, so we can see that our words are very important. Okay, They bring intimacy in our relationship. We can either destroy relationships or they can grow. So why do we struggle so much? Well, the problem tongue exposed. This is what the book of James says. He says, no one can tame the tongue. Okay, this statement is not intended to cause despair or to justify our continued sin, but rather to let us know that we can't change on our own. Okay, um, we need God's help. And I tried to change on my own all the time. I would try just, okay, I'm not going to talk during this church service, you know, as a teen, and I would, I would always fail. And, but God can do it for us with his help. There are principles in the book of James um, and principle number one tells us that controlled speech is an act of maturity. We all offend. We fall or trip up in many ways. If anyone does not offend in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. The word perfect literally means complete or mature. So ask yourself a question right now. If you were to um, be judged by your conversation, where would you fall on the growth chart? Principle two, the tongue is small but significant. And he gives us examples of um, a horse um, being a huge horse, being turned um, by the little bit in the mouth by a rider, and also the helm of a ship being able to turn a whole ship in you know, fierce winds, and um, also how a big forest fire can start just by a very small spark. Our words are potentially combustible. The tongue is a fire, it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. We tend to tolerate a little bit of fire in our speech. You know, we want to grow spiritually and we work in all these other areas. We do Bible studies and we go to prayer meetings and stuff, but we tend to disregard the area of our speech. The tongue is like a wild and deadly beast. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And just as we know, venomous reptiles um, can swiftly paralyze the nervous system and stop the heart, uh, so can our words also poison. Um, and they can kill relationships, paralyze love, and uh, just ruin reputations. The tongue tends to promote a double standard. Therefore, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men. My brethren, these things ought not to be. What about us? Is our speech really sweet in front of other people? And the minute we're you know, out of their sight, do we tend to have a completely different uh, type of speech? Do we talk about them? Uh, do we um, you know, just right from the church parking lot get into the car and start you know, screaming at your kids and screaming at the husband? The truth about words. Christ had a lot to say about words. Okay, The tongue reflects your spirit. Proverbs 4, 20 through 24 tells us, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. 
Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. The Hebrew definition of issues of life or wellspring means to exit. So it's going to be coming out like a fountain. Everything, the inmost life of our heart, our intentions, our thoughts, our emotions, and our motives, they will find a way out of our heart and through our words, and they're going to impact every area of our life and all the people that are in your area of influence. In fact, it was so important that when I googled the word heart, um, it said that it's in the Bible over 400 times, and 75 times alone in the book of Proverbs. So we need to take this really seriously. As wisdom enters our hearts, we should have a changed heart. We know this, and we, re- and we really strive for this, but you know what? Who is behind all destructive and deceptive speech? We all know. It's Satan. We have an enemy that will do anything to try to destroy the unity that we have among each other as a church, to destroy relationships, and he uses this, and he uses us, and that's why it is so important that we know um, what our speech needs to be like, okay? This is what James 1.26 says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious, which is Greek for serving God, and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. This one's religion is in vain or useless. Okay, that is quite sobering. As new creatures in Christ, sinful speech must be a part of our past. Okay, we were just told in James that um, we cannot have our speech as the example he gives of his fresh water and salt water coming out. So the issues of the wellspring of our hearts need to be pleasing to God. We cannot have a divided heart. The next slide, it talks about a tree is known by its fruit. This passage is a passage that Christ talked to about. Um, He gives us a verse in Matthew 12, 34. It says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Christ recognized that all talk is heart talk. And I'm going to read a few verses here. Uh, I know we don't have um, a whole lot of time, but these are really important. This is what he says. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth the evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. In fact, our words are such an accurate reflection of our spiritual condition that Christ concludes the section by saying that our words will be the basis for his judgment. We will be held accountable for every idle word, not because God is a nitpicker, but because he realized, he knows that our speech problems are really heart problems and simply reveal what's in our heart. 
The next one, a tree and its fruit. So every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. What could be plainer than that? It is ultimately the spirit that leads us in our words, and the fruit of the spirit should be evident. A sinful heart produces sinful speech, and a godly heart produces God-pleasing speech. And lastly, he says, repent or perish. And he says, every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Then he ends in this chapter with something very, very sobering. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. These verses are very sobering, but they tell us the importance of the issues of the heart and how important they are. So what is it that prompts us to these, uh, this sinful speech? The heart problems that prompt sinful speech, um, there are three of them that are um, pretty much listed in the word. Um, there's always scriptures that go along with um, the verbal sins and tell us what the heart issues are. So these are the roots, the motives. What is it behind our sinful speech? And um, on this, when I go into these three, pay really close attention because the next section of the form, we're going to go into the deadly sins. And I, what I want you to do is I want you to see as we go over the deadly sins, see if you can figure out what the root or what the motive is behind some of our sinful speech. The first one is the proud heart. Okay, this is where we have forgotten who God is. Okay, do we, do we fear him? And what we've done is we elevated ourselves above God. We've elevated ourselves above other people. We forget, and we become arrogant, and we become proud. And we can even be arrogant and proud without even showing it. You might look like the quietest, humble person on the outside, but yet, you can have a heart that is judgmental, critical, jealous, harsh, and very ungrateful. This was very important to the Lord, that we be humble in heart. The next one is the angry heart. Okay, even though God created anger to be a righteous anger, and we should get angry over the unrighteousness that's done, typically we get angry over a lot of things. And... Um, the evil we do is not so much because we're nasty people, but it's maybe to protect um, an offense that's being uh, done against us. Um, also, maybe to stop other people from you know, violating us or to get our own way, so we lash out in anger. Uh, speak when you are angry, and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. Uh, the last one is the fearful heart. Okay? Uh, this one, we can lash out in fear. Um, I know this one was um, 
an area where, especially when I would be in the car with my husband, and um, you know, I would blurt out, slow down, or you know, whatever. And after a while, he was just like, you know, I just want to blindfold you sometimes, right? But when I found out what it was, I didn't understand what it was, but it went back to actually my baptism day. Um, six of my siblings, um, I was the first to get baptized, and um, an uncle went to pick them up um, after the um, afternoon service to bring them for supper, and um, six of my siblings were could have been killed in a big car crash. A semi-truck had hit them, as well as a number of the cousins that were all piled up into a station wagon. And from that time, I was always very, very um, worried about you know going in a really, really fast car, and um, it just scared me. So I would lash out in fear. So now he knows if, if I just say, you know, can you slow down a little bit, or um, I've had to change my words. But usually, it's that we feel like a loss of control, okay? Whether it's um, for our safety, it could be in a relationship, it could be that we have a fear of some type of a loss, which is why we lash out in fear, okay? Grieving the Holy Spirit. This is what Ephesians 4, 29 through 31 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Okay? The word of God is very clear that there are certain sins of the tongue that God hates, and they're not harmless. In fact, Isaiah 59 tells us that our sins have separated us from God, and he will not hear us because of our sinful speech. So the next section, we're going to define some of the sinful, the sinful speech, the verbal sins. Uh, the first one is falsehoods. Um, why is truth so important to God? Truth is the foundation to trust, integrity, faith, and stability. Um, truth aligns us with God, his nature, and his mode of operation. Um, God commands his children to speak truth um, regardless of the cost. He says, lie not one to another. Lying is direct uh, communication of non-truth. Right from the start, uh, the central part of Satan's strategy when he told Eve, ye shall not surely die, is what he used. He used lying. Uh, not only does Satan lie, but he desires that we lie as well. We're frequently tempted to lie because it's a quick way to get out of trouble, to hide our sins, uh, to escape punishment. But the Bible also tells us that let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Are there areas in our life where, you know, you say you're going to do something, you promise to do something, you commit to help somebody out with something, you say you're going to meet someone at 10 o'clock, and, and you don't. So these are just little subtle ways that we have to really consider, is our, ye is our yes, yes, and our no, no. Deceit. Uh, this is where we arrange facts or we leave out information to distort the truth. It's used for manipulation often uh, to get our own way or to make ourselves look better. Uh, teens often uh, tell their parents that they're going to be at a friend's home, and maybe that's where they go first. But then after that, they might go off and do something else, you know, deceiving. Okay, uh, Beguilement and false witness. 
Okay, this is the tendency to reach a wrong conclusion or blow something out of proportion without sufficient information, perhaps even share our false assumptions and accusations with others. Okay, always remember that there's two sides of the story. You might not see everything, you might not know everything, and you come to a certain conclusion. Okay, according to all of these, they are sins. And there are a lot of verses in the Bible um, that will support that they are wrong. Exaggeration. Uh, We do this so that we catch people's attention. We add a little zip to our story uh, to add to the drama, or um, we will use it for manipulation. I'm going to ground you for a year if you ever do this again, right? I think we all um, maybe have exaggerated a bit. Okay. Um, All of these areas of untruth, they twist and distort truths Uh, They destroy trust and credibility. There are serious consequences to tampering with the truth in any way. Uh, We are told in Revelation 21, verses 8 and 27, that liars will not inherit eternal life, but will have their part in the lake of fire. Okay, these are very serious sins. The next is corrupt communication. These are some areas that... um, you know, we might slip up in. The first one is using God's name in vain. Okay, first of all, um, this is a serious sin. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And, but sometimes you slip up and you hear people say, oh, God, or Jesus, right? It's misuse of his name. And uh, we use it so casually that meaning of his name is lost. Okay, we have to remember to use his name in a reverent way. And we see this in society. Everybody does it. Many people do it, I should say. And so it can just become a habit, and we don't even realize that we're doing it. But it is a violation. The next one is sensuous speech and filthy communication. Um, Filthiness, silly or foolish talk, coarse jesting. It's described as any words, expressions, phrases, jokes, stories, or conversations that oppose God's standards to purity and morality. That which is obscene, offensive, vulgar, or indecent is considered foolishness and clearly renounced in Scripture. Okay, we see a lot of this in the society that we live in, entertainment and everywhere. Um, The morals have lowered so much that, um, you know, we've almost become insensitive to it. You hear, um, you turn on the TV, and they're just laughing about filthiness. Okay, we shouldn't make light of what God is not pleased with. Okay, also with swearing. There's, you know, you might not say that, oh, well, I don't swear. But there's even some words that, you know, we would never have said 25 years ago. Like, our parents would have washed our mouths out with soap. And now we hear, like, this generation just using these words. And, you know, they make you cringe. Just be really mindful that the Bible says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. What about lack of discretion when we're talking to people? Do we give out too much information, too much personal information, even to um, close friends that would dishonor your spouse? We have to be mindful of that. Hurtful words. Um, You know... Sometimes we can say that, well, we're just teasing. But we also have to remember that, you know, teasing can be really painful. Um, I know this. I was teased quite a bit as a teenager um, and a kid. I had, you know, cousins that would would tease me. 
And um, they are really hurtful. Like, you remember these words forever. And um, I remember once hurting this boy's feelings in uh, sixth grade. And I couldn't even believe that I did it, because I was the one who was always made fun of. But there was this boy, he was Chinese, and he sat in front of me. And he was always turning around and bugging me. And I wanted to get my work done. I remember just lashing out saying, turn around, China man. And he just flung around, put his head down in his book. And I still feel so bad about that to this day. I thought, I hope I didn't damage him, right? But you know what? <laughs> we have to be aware that even, you know, teasing, there is a verse um, in Proverbs that said that even in teasing, there is a bit of truth to it. And we have to remember that, that people can remember hurtful words for the rest of their life, and it can actually paralyze them um, from even service to God in the future. Next, we have the ego of our mouths. We have the boasters and the braggers. These people keep their conversation just centered around themselves. Um, there's nothing, it's nothing more than vain conceit and self-elevation. Paul describes the godless in the last days by saying they will be lovers of themselves, boastful and proud. Another area is flattery. And what flattery really means is to make the tongue smooth. Okay, it's a subtle form of deceit or manipulation. Sometimes we use it to compliment someone or to be nice to people so that they're going to do something for you or so that you're going to get your own way. Um, we seek this maybe to gain favor, like, oh, I'm going to say not something nice to you so that, you know, you like me better, or you're going to say something nice back to me. Uh, we see this in seduction where, you know, um, someone might say, um, oh, you know, you're a beautiful woman, and that can just, you know, lead down a wrong path. Um, also for control, as I mentioned, um, I'm going to say something really nice to you and flatter you so that I'll get my way. You're going to do um, you know, what I want. The next section is malicious speech. Uh, under this, we have gossip, slander, backbiting. Um, what we want to discuss a little bit is what are the reasons that we do this? Okay. Uh, the first one is curiosity. We call it that, but really it can just be nosiness. We've got busy bodies. Okay. Like curiosity is natural um, and it's God given, but when we have our curiosity gone wild and all we want to know is what everybody's doing, okay, we have a bit of a problem there. Idleness. Okay. Um, people just have too much time on their hands. Okay, um, we see that the Apostle Paul said that those that are idle, they go around from house to house. Well, we don't even have to go from house to house. We have Facebook nowadays. So you can uh, find out anything that you want. Um, a desire to be the center of attention. Um, we might uh, say, did you hear? Or, well, I really shouldn't say this, but can you keep a secret? You know, it makes us feel important because when we have some kind of information, that's actually power. The opportunity to elevate ourselves over others. So if you hear something negative about someone and you can pass it on, it actually makes you look better than them. So we like hearing that and we like passing that on. Uh, bitterness. We might have um, been hurt by someone and we have some unforgiveness in us, so we're going to say some kind of slander or malicious speaking against someone to get back at them. And it soothes our own anxieties. We don't feel so bad if somebody else has something really negative going on in their life, okay? So gossip, 
is the first one we're going to look at. Gossip is considered careless, idle chatter that's always not malicious in its intent, but is always demeaning and damaging to another's uh, integrity and reputation. Slander and backbiting are the open, intentional, malicious communication. Um, it means to defame, to blemish, or to strip one of his positive reputation. Um, this is also tail-bearing um, is under this as well. God teaches that a person who gossips is untrustworthy, betrays confidences, and cannot keep a secret. A person who gossips is to be avoided. Gossips have the ability to destroy the respect of others. Slander is characterized by a wicked, godless heart and is a direct violation of God's law. Backbiters will not abide in his tabernacle. Not only does slander alienate us spiritually, but it also brings God's silencing work into our lives. It says, Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. We are not to associate with the brother who is a slanderer, and slanderers will not inherit the kingdom of God. I found um, an interesting um, bit of information when I was doing this. Uh, Dr. Laura Schlesinger's book, The Ten Commandments, um, she wrote, according to Jewish interpretation, what, um, Leviticus 19.16 says that you shall not be a gossip monger among your people. She says, character assassination through gossip and slander or other means kills the good name that someone has worked for. When people have lost their good reputation, they are often as good as dead. Every time we gossip, we send out lethal words that have the potential to kill innocent people. Gossip is therefore like murder. Listening to gossip is like standing idly by while your neighbor is murdered. Even Miriam in the Bible, called a prophetess, is punished with leprosy for gossiping with Aaron about Moses. Okay, so here's some myths we're going to go over. Okay? Uh, so tell me, what do you think? The first myth here. Uh, gossip and slander are women's sins. Women? <laughs> we'll hear from the men. Absolutely false. Yes, even, even uh, men were instructed in the word uh, not to be slanderers. Okay. Um, if the information is true, it's okay to tell it. False. Truth is not the only standard that we need to consider, so are confidentiality and potential harm. We should always try to protect the reputation of others and not destroy them. Sharing prayer concerns justifies an exchange of sensitive information. Yeah. How many times do we use this? Okay, uh, the unspoken desire for deeper relationships. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to share this because then, you know, you'll be, well, it'll make our relationship closer. Um, is this true or false? What do you think? If I share secrets with you or gossip with you about other people, do you think this actually makes our relationship uh, closer? No. Okay. Uh, gossip actually separates the closest friends, is what Proverbs 16.28 says. Because it builds suspicion, it destroys trust, and you know what? Um, if she gossips about you, she's um, gossips about others, she's probably going to gossip about you. Okay. Uh, the people I tell certainly won't tell anyone else. Okay. Gossip in often results in gossip out. We think it's socially acceptable. Okay, that's, yeah. Uh, we can't compare ourselves to others, okay? And it doesn't matter if it's your mother 
or the preacher that's gossiping, it's wrong. It's not socially acceptable. The Word of God says it, and the Word of God needs to be our standard. Talking too much. Okay. Uh, Pastor Mark Gongor, he specializes in marriage relationships. He says, ask a man how his day was, and he'll think about it for a second and say, fine. Ask a woman about her day, and you'll relive it with her. Okay? (laughs) Okay. We need to really consider how much do we talk. Okay? Like, are we talking so much that people just want to get away from us? Or they actually get call display on their phone because they know that if they pick up the phone, they will knock it off for an hour. Okay? There's a time uh, to talk and a time to keep silence. And we do need to learn to talk less and to listen more. Okay? Um, I actually have a very wonderful example. Um, I live with him. My husband, Dragan, um, he, talks, he talks plenty, but he's very wise in his words. And um, he has um, demonstrated to me that you don't have to use a lot of words. And I'm going to share one example. Um, a, little while, a few years ago, um, our youngest son, Jordan, had gotten into some kind of trouble. It was probably, I think, a speeding violation. And I just like to let him deal with that, with the, the, the guys in the family kind of have the speeding issues. And so I said, okay, you know what? Um, today I really would like you to please talk to Jordan after dinner. You know what? I, and he's like, well, why don't you? I said, no, I, I really would like you to do this. He says, okay, fine. So we have our dinner, and um, I'm waiting. We go, and we sit. We're on the love seat, and Jordan's sitting on the couch, and and I'm waiting for him uh, to get this speech going. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, Jordan, live and learn. <laughs> and, and, I, and Jordan goes, exactly. Can I go now? And he says, yes. I said, wait, no, no, sit down. And I said, live and learn? Like, live and learn? That's it? He goes, what more is there to say? And Jordan says, exactly. Can I go now? And Jordan says, Mom, obviously I know I'm not going to do it again. You know, it was really stupid, and, you know, that's it. Can I go? And I said, okay, fine. So the next day, I'm still reeling over this, and Melissa calls me over her lunch hour, and I said, she's asked, you know, how Dad and Jordan are, and I said, they're fine, you know, but I'm just, I'm a little unsettled. And she says, well, why? What happened? I said, well, you know, I asked Dad to give this speech to Jordan, and, and this is how he handled it. And she started laughing. She said, well, Mom, what did you want Dad to say? And I said, well, do you remember, like, Little House in the Prairie? Like, Charles would go in the barn with Laura, and he would give this speech, and then they would both cry, and, and, and then everything would all be all better. And she said, Mom, that's Hollywood, and Charles had a script. And... <laughs> And Dad may not have used a lot of words, but we always knew exactly what he meant and what was expected. So if you ever need a great speech, three words, live and learn. (laughs) My dad had an upholstery shop, and in his shop he had this postcard um, that was up on the bulletin board. Dad, I don't know if you remember this, but it was a daily prayer. And I used to be fascinated with this because of the funny picture. Uh, but basically the daily prayer says, help me keep my eyes and ears open, my mouth shut, and my nose out of other people's business. Amen. And the last section um, that we're going to go over is the crosswords. 
Uh, there is one who speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. And here under this, we have murmuring. Okay, We have the grumblers, the whiners, the complainers. Um, they have hearts that are just critical and unthankful. Um, nowhere in scripture is it better depicted than the Israelites in the Old Testament. And we can see that their murmuring was so displeasing to God that the punishment was swift and final. Um, and they would not even enter into the promised land. I had an opportunity once to go on, on a little bit of a vacation um, with a group of people. And it was one of the most beautiful places that I had ever stayed in. And there were a few people that were in the group that did nothing but complain about everything. You know, the food, the, the, the grounds. I mean, there was nothing really that I could even see that was, um, you know, worthy of even making a complaint. It was so beautiful. But they just didn't stop the whole weekend that it actually, like, ruined the weekend because of their um, grumbling and complaining and unthankful and grateful hearts. The next one is evil foreboding. We also can be around people that we know that are just, they just, everything is negative. You know, you can um, just talk to them and they have something negative to say about everything. Their whole life is doom and gloom. Okay? That's foreboding. And then we have the contentious tongue. Um, Biblical references and proverbs of the contentious tongue are quarreling, bickering, debating, Arguing, nagging, outbursts of anger, rage, hateful, arrogant. Um, you know, these. it says also that um, it is stated uh, that it is preferable to live in the corner of a roof than to endure a contentious and vexing woman. It destroys peace and joy. There's a story of an old farm couple who had experienced a rocky marriage, and they were riding in their wagon one evening. As the two horses pulled them along in the moonlight, Something of the early romance kindled in the heart of the wife. She snuggled up to the husband, took his arm, and remarked about how nicely the horses worked together, separated only by the tongue of the wagon. The husband, after a second of thought, drawled, We could probably get along better, too, if we had only one tongue between us. (laughs) Okay. A heart devoted to God. There are some people that you just love to be around. Um, their speech is refreshing, and it's like that wellspring that we talked about earlier. You just feel so encouraged just by spending a few minutes with them. Um, they may call you or send a card. Um, Martha, can we go to the next slide, please? Okay, right now. That would be good. Thank you. Um, As I was doing this, this was really a fun um, page to do research on because as I was going through the word, this is um, what the Bible says that words are that speak life. And these were only some of them. I had to stop. I'd been working on this and found all these scriptures, but look at what it says. Loving, gracious, kind, wise, compassionate, encouraging, like choice silver, a banquet for many, the Lord's delight, and it goes on and on, joyful. Um, and Proverbs 25:11 tells us a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? It can be challenging in a world that doesn't follow God's standards, and if a church doesn't follow God's standards, if we're surrounded by people that don't uphold the standards of God where it comes to speaking. And it can be really difficult at times uh, to react properly 
with our speech when we're angry, especially if we live with difficult people or around difficult people, or if our spouse is not walking really closely to the Lord, it can be so easy to just get impatient and to lash out in anger and say hurtful words back. When disappointments and hurts and unexpected happens in our life, um, our emotions influence our reactions. But with God's help and with the power of the Holy Spirit, it can be done. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. Unite in my heart to fear thy name. Okay, um, those were words that David said in one of the Psalms. The other one, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What about our heart? If you think about it right now, just after going through these definitions, is there any area that you were convicted in? Do you have a divided heart in any of these areas? I know my heart certainly burns with conviction, and I can certainly do better. But this is where we need to take it seriously. Is my heart divided? We know what God says about that. He says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Obey God because you're his children. Don't slip back into the old patterns of evil speaking. Why? Why was it so important for us to have words that are edifying? Okay, we're supposed to love because we're surrounded by a lot of hurting people. Okay, I see this every day with some of the work that I do. People are damaged so badly by all of these sins, words that bring death. I see it. I see it with the work that I do in the prison. Lives are destroyed. And it's because they've, many of them have never had a kind word. They've not heard the truth. They've had lies spoken to them. They've had words of anger spoken to them to the point where they feel like they are the lowest of the earth. And it's not just people that are in the world. It's we do this to people in the church. Okay, we're living in a really evil world, and we need to be a light. This is what God has called us to do. God is worthy that we revere him, and that we honor him, and that we live lives that are pleasing to him. We need to walk worthy of that calling, and it has to be in our speech. If we do this, this is what... First uh, Corinthians tells us, the fruit of our lips will be pleasing to God. We will bring life and health. Love eliminates gossip, slander, or anything that communicates an evil report about another. It never encourages another person to do wrong and is never petty. It expresses grief and sorrow over anything contrary to God's righteousness and produces words that affirm faithful obedience. Patience, kindness, lack of envy, lack of boasting, humility, concern for others, Slowness to anger, no record of wrong, no delight in evil, truth, protection, trust, hope, and perseverance. If your heart is divided, we need to deal with the root issues of sin. And this is what we do. We need to pray daily that God will help us in our words and in our reactions. And we need to realize why we're reacting in this way. Ask God, what is going on in my heart? Am I being selfish with pride? Am I lashing out in anger? 
Am I reacting out of a fear of the unknown? And we need to admit where we've been wrong. And we need to ask God for a clean and undivided heart. By dealing with the heart issues and pulling out the roots of sin, of the pride, anger, and fear, all of these will be removed. So what we do is we need to push our pride aside with humility, um, submitting to God. Remember who he is and that everything we are and have is because of him. Esteeming others higher than ourselves. We are not better than anyone else. Okay? We are all equal in God's eyes. We're not superior. And we shouldn't act as if we are. And we need to be thankful. Okay? Contentment and gratefulness eliminate jealousy, envy, and competition. We need to diffuse our anger with patience. Okay, uh, the Bible gives us some standards here as well. To be slow to anger, not to sin. Uh, to deal with anger before sundown and to forgive. You know, I had um, once a young mom shared with me that she had such a problem with her anger that she would even just rage, and she didn't know what to do. And as I was praying while I was talking to her about it, God just gave me these words, and he said, uh, stop, drop, and roll. And I said, stop, drop, and roll. She said, what? And I said, yep, just stop. Stop and get yourself on the ground and roll right out of the room. Just put out that fire. And uh, about a week later, she just she gave me a call and she said, Lydia, I tried it. I just, I, I just had to laugh because my kids thought, what in the world are you doing? And she said, but it worked. And conquer fear with love and faith. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Um, believing in the characteristics of God help us to face our fear. Um, and it's these four characteristics um, that will help us. The reality of God's presence, his power, his protection, and his provision. Uh, when we believe in these characteristics of God, our level of trust will be enforced, and um, our, we'll have words of courage and loyalty and a commitment regardless of the situations that we face. When God is magnified, fear is gone. The last thing we need to do is have a commitment, a commitment to positive speech, a commitment to speak only life. Let me throw out a question to you. Is it possible to grow spiritually if we disregard our speech? What do you think? No. When I was a child, I talked like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. We need to pray for a hunger and a thirst for the word. You get in the word of God, and you will be changed. He will give us words um, that will honor him. Jesus told us in uh, Acts 1, um, he told the disciples that when they receive the Holy Spirit, they will receive power. They were, immediately after they were told that, they went up and they gathered in an upper room to pray. This is something that we really need to pray about, being in the word and praying. Um, so as you look over this topic, and what I'd like you to do is look at the words, the areas where you find that you might struggle in. Make this um, your focus, that you really want to pray specifically about this area. Pray about it. Memorize scripture. Um, pray about this every day that God will help you to grow in this area. Learn to speak less and listen more. And also share your um, commitment with others that are around you. 
You know, if you tell your family members um, that, you know, you never want to gossip or slander, and if you do for them to stop you. I did this actually last year when I was doing, I told my um, family at the dinner table, uh, Melissa and Landon and and Dragan, and I said, I want you, if ever at the table, if you ever start hearing me saying anything negative about anyone, I want you to stop me right there. And Landon says, Mom, I can't do that. Like, I'm supposed to honor you. I said, that will be honoring me. Like, stop it. Anything negative, please do that. Because I really want to strive to be a godly woman in this area. So not only have this be something that's in your heart, really share it publicly with others. And they're going to see that if you take it seriously, people are going to be less uh, willing to even share negative information with you. Secondly, a commitment to only positive reports. Okay, what is our first instinct after hearing something scandalous? Isn't it sometimes tempting to go and share what we heard? So the result of that is um, we need to consider, okay, is this going to be restoration of the offender or alienation? Okay, we must be committed to saying only good things about others. Our goal should always be one of restoration and love. Um, When problems arise that make this difficult, Jesus gave us a principle in Matthew 18, which most of us know, about going and talking to that person privately and in love after prayer, okay, and always wanting to restore that person. And that is the right thing to do, and that's what I should have done with that person that I had heard. I should have sent the other person to speak to them instead of getting involved. And if we do these principles, we'll get ourselves into a lot less trouble. We were actually, we're also given um, some instructions as to how to deal with certain issues that are dealt with in the church. Sometimes we will hear some really negative things. And what is our response supposed to be like? Specific sins were not shared in the Bible, um, and it was done with tears. Okay, we know that there were some things that had happened. There were false teachers and um, individuals who would hurt the assembly if they were not exposed but always remember that the intent must be um, of love. And lastly is a commitment to constructive responses. Okay? We too will occasionally have the choice of revealing all that we know about others or showing love by covering their shame. And in conclusion, I have some practical examples of what we can do if someone comes and shares um, some gossip and slander with you. Do not communicate approval of what is being said or encourage additional statements about the matter. Okay, so it's best if you just be quiet and listen and pray. And um, if you don't have an opportunity that you can change the situation, just walk away. Pray for wisdom as they're speaking so that maybe you can answer in a righteous way. Um, The wiser choice is always to protect others as we are able. If someone is saying something negative about someone else, Try to say something um, good about the person, changing it. Uh, respond in the context of your own commitment. Um, encourage the other person who is sharing the information to look for ways uh, to meet the needs of the one that they're speaking about. Avoid a judgmental spirit. Okay, Keep this a priority in your life, to only uh, speak love and esteem of others. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Okay, if you uh, keep on having positive 
um, life giving speech, people will see a difference in you. Encourage other people to control their tongues. When someone is about to tell you a juicy tidbit, respond with, don't tell me, I already have more negative thoughts than I know what to do with. Pray about what you've heard instead of going and trying to share this information. Have a heart for this person, a heart of love and compassion, and really pray for them. And avoid gossips. If you have tried, you've been around people, and you're just like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I did this before where I was with a person, and I would just pray in the car before I went in. And after a number of years, you know what? It wasn't changing. This person was still a gossip. No matter how much I tried to apply these, I just started avoiding this person. And lastly, do good. Jesus went on doing good, doing the work of an evangelist. If we're doing good and being in the work of the Lord, we're not going to have time to go around and gossiping and slandering about other people. And we're going to just be filled with good works, trying to help and uplift and edify others. When we are victims of gossip, we need to realize that God knows, he cares, and that he will deal with the situation. We can find peace only when we leave the situation to him who judges righteously. We must continue to serve and to strive to love our neighbors as ourselves. And in conclusion, here's um, a prayer from um, Stormy R. Martian. Lord, help me to be a person who speaks words that build up, not tear down. Help me to speak life into the situations and people around me and not death. Fill my heart afresh each day with your Holy Spirit so that your love and goodness overflow from my heart and my mouth. Help me to speak only about things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy. Holy Spirit of truth, guide me in all truth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. May every word I speak reflect your purity and love. Amen. Thank you all very much. Um, that's the end of the form. I think we, we have, what, maybe, what, four minutes? Does anyone have any questions at all? Yes. What I don't, I, yes, I, I don't have the statistics here because I had so much information that I didn't put in here. And I do remember it's a huge amount with women. Actually, the, that same son, Jordan, he, he also doesn't use, like to use a lot of words. And when I would give my, my lectures to him, he would say, Mom, can you just please say it in two minutes? Because I tune you out after that. I learned to talk really, 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 really fast, right? Because I had to get everything in in those two minutes. Yes. For women, it's thousands. It's in the. Well, yeah. But I want to say it was somewhere between a woman's speech like two to three times more words than a man does. So having this knowledge, and I might have gotten into the study when I came home after a day of engineering, interacting with people, other engineers, getting out of meetings, and at that time in our life, our voice was toddlers, and they didn't talk much. So I get home, and I wrote a Right. So I 
women generally speaking. Much more verbal. Speak more words. And my answer is that women need to understand the man's perspective. Yes, thank you for that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, you shouldn't, Sam. Uh, as we were discussing last night, we were up uh, talking late. The, the Bojanaks definitely have the gift of gab. We don't know if it's a hereditary thing or what, but anyone else? Well, thank you very much.